Hello, and welcome to More Than Abstract, the podcast where I trap my friends to listen to my stories. Oh god, I'm trapped. I'm Help Eric, me. and I'm joined by Pran- uh, <laughs> I'm Prangel, and I'm joined by Eric. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Eric. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, can we start over? Hello, and welcome to More Than Abstract, the podcast where I trap my friends to listen to my stories. I'm Prangel, and I'm joined by Eric. Hey. How are you doing? Doing all right. How about yourself? Doing okay as well. Oh, God, I'm trapped. Help me. Yes, you can't leave. So, in this one, um, I'm going to start by talking about some of the first probes that went into space, and then I'll end with a terribly misguided conspiracy theory, and I'll try to explain why it's wrong. That sounds fun. All right. Yeah. You you can probably figure out where I'm going through the middle of this, but... um, I just wanted to give a, a good explanation as to, you know, why some people think this is a thing. Anyway, I'll get into it. So let me set the stage for you here. It's 1958, and the Russians have just launched their first satellite into space just last year. And the Americans, not to be outdone, want to do the same. Makes sense. We start with the Explorer 1 spacecraft. It's not, I don't think it's the first one out there, but it's where we start our story. It's numbered one, so again, makes sense. True, yeah. With these initial launches, they just strapped a bunch of monitoring equipment and antenna onto a bunch of rocket boosters, then shot it up into space, and all of a sudden you get, if you point it in the right direction, you get a satellite in orbit. Kind of like the Swiss Army knife of satellites. Well. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, not the best, but it works and it's all in one place. Yeah, sure. I might think of it as like the atlatl of uh, satellites. Because, like, the atlatl was some of the first weapons that humans had, and then you get better ones like bows and arrows and stuff. But yeah, the way we normally think of an orbit is usually a perfect circle around the Earth. But back in these days, rocketry was much less refined. So it was hard to get a perfect orbit. Rather, you would get um, these ellipses that would form where uh, an orbit would start closer to the Earth and then uh, its furthest point would be quite a bit further away. Mm -hmm. And they didn't just put a bunch of monitoring equipment because they didn't have any use for it on Earth. People kind of didn't know what was up there, so they wanted to, you know, get some information. So one of the things that they put up there was a Geiger counter, which tells you how much radiation is around. Okay. Now, normally, people were like, all right, the higher up you go on Earth, the more radiation you feel, like people on Everest or on a plane would feel more radiation than someone at sea level. So the expectation was that this trend would continue on until a point when you don't uh, have any more atmosphere to protect you. So this probe uh, with this Geiger counter on it goes around the Earth and gets a bit further away because of its elliptical orbit. And as it goes higher and higher above the earth the geiger counter starts to go crazy okay that's as expected mm-hmm. it, there's just a whole bunch of radiation around there's a, a whole bunch of ticks um but as it keeps on going up it reaches a peak in the radiation that it feels then the radiation levels start going down as it gets further up in its orbit just weird all right well maybe it's like a an issue with the the right the machine's broken yeah that's that's probably it but then it it, it starts coming back down and at at around the same alt- altitude i guess it's weird to say altitude but i'll use that terminology it uh it sees this pocket of radiation that's around it for some reason there's a concentration of radiation just at a certain altitude above the earth so that's really weird and it, it's nothing to scoff at either. Like it, it, 
it, it's a good amount of radiation. If a person were to be there unprotected, it would very easily kill them. So what the heck is this stuff? Where is all this radiation coming from? And why is it in a random little pocket? Yeah, it's weird. So Eric, if you were to make a guess, where do you think it's coming from? Earth. At this point, so there, there were atomic bombs that were dropped before this. That's kind of what I was thinking. But this was, uh, this, uh, this was around 58. So I don't think... We already dropped two and tested some more. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say, it doesn't just go away. But that radiation is mostly confined... It's pretty much confined to the Earth. Uh, since it's usually heavier products like uranium and stuff, it's pretty dense, so it would end up falling because the Earth's uh, atmosphere is made of oxygen and nitrogen. It wouldn't be able to escape that far to where that satellite's orbit was. Yeah, it would be unusual if it did. Okay. So it ends up being that a lot of the radiation that you feel above the atmosphere is primarily from the sun. There's this thing called solar wind out there, which is, uh, it's a, it's just a bunch of part charged particles. So electrons and protons that are usually inside an atom, they're flung off from the sun and just form a wind. They form a wind, yeah. They go out into the, the rest of the solar system and cause radiation around there. Usually on the surface, we don't really have to worry about this because the Earth's got a magnetic field that it, it diverts all the stuff away, except at the poles, where you get to see a beautiful aurora. I actually um, stumbled across people talking online about like why Earth is so lucky, and a lot of people say, like, oh, yeah, the ozone layer. And this one dude was like, yeah, but the magnetic... Um, magnetic field yes and how how huge it is for our planet to actually have that it is it it's way more important than i originally thought like uh, i i believe mars doesn't have a very strong magnetic field that was part of the conversation actually one problem with mars is that because of its weak magnetic field the solar wind can go in and hit its atmosphere and actually knock atoms of its atmosphere off uh, just send it to escape velocity and uh, oh wow that, that's one of the reasons uh, one of the possible reasons why it lost its atmosphere of course we don't know because we weren't there when it was losing it to figure it out but that's the best guess it's a pretty good guess it's a good guess so the earth has a magnetic field it diverts stuff away but not at the poles where you get to see the aurora so all this stuff that makes the aurora it has to go somewhere right like it's not like radiation can just disappear like when you when you throw out your trash it doesn't disappear it has to go somewhere right um, so some of these charged particles end up being trapped by the magnetic by the earth's magnetic field oh. while some of it ends up going out into the rest of space just being diverted away that's interesting and, and that's what explorer one picked up these pockets of charged particles that form a belt around the earth so we call them van allen belts after one of the people who was behind this discovery. At this point, I assume anytime something's named like a strange name, it's based on the person who found it. Yeah, although, although I wonder how people came up with the name Earth or like Europe or Asia. I guess Asia's a name. That sounds more cultural. Hmm. I'm curious. Uh, anyways. You, you know, we don't have only one belt. We actually have two that are around the Earth and sometimes more uh, depending on solar activity. There was a time, apparently, when we had three of these Van Allen belts, which is just pockets of radiation. They ended up combining due to some solar activity or something. Uh, so these belts, just to give a, an idea of what they look like, imagine a ring, almost. Like Saturn ring? Mm, actually, don't imagine a ring. Okay. Imagine a hula hoop 
around the earth but instead of the hula hoop actually getting closer at one side and further away at another uh it's just stationary right there okay it's not exactly like the rings of saturn because it's not thin it has some width to it so it's like a thick ring Uh, a, a chunky onion ring got it a chunky onion ring the belt is usually around the equator it's not exactly on the equator it's a bit deviated from it but that's mostly because the magnetic poles on the earth aren't exactly at geographic north and south poles okay one quick fact is that uh, what we call the earth's north pole is actually a magnetic south pole which is why the north end of a magnet on a compass Point. uh, for example is oh. points northward oh that makes a lot of sense actually like north to people is not north to the planet yeah geographical north is a magnetic south but that's that's an aside there's what we call an inner and outer belt and since the inner belt is a bit closer to the earth it can affect satellites sometimes so um there's this region of space called the south atlantic anomaly where the belt is particularly close to the earth so whenever a satellite in low earth orbit for example were to go around this area they sometimes have to shut off their sensitive equipment to keep it from getting damaged oh like the hubble space telescope for example needs to essentially cover its eyes when it's around there if you were to ever see some of those movies where you might see maps of mission control with those lines of satellites going around the earth there will usually be this region between south america and africa that's marked as a place where you might get funky signals going out in a stretch here does that have any relation to the bermuda triangle no it is um in the southern hemisphere so it's quite a bit further away than the bermuda triangle okay 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 Uh, i told you about how there's a ton of radiation out there but we don't often hear horrible stories of astronauts immediately getting cancer after they come back so it should be fine right that that's true uh, this radiation in these belts is pretty manageable the inner belt is mostly made of slow moving protons so it's pretty easy to stop it with just a several millimeters of aluminum and since you're going to launch something into space anyway, you usually already have that hull thickness. That's convenient. Definitely convenient. Something to take away from this is uh, radiation can definitely be dangerous, but there are safe ways to deal with the problem here. So uh, taking Chernobyl, for example, they entombed it in a ton of concrete and, well, it's, it's not spewing out radiation anymore. And let's hope it stays that way. Yeah, let's hope it stays that way. Pretty sure it will. While we have ways to deal with all that, some people still believe that because of the high doses of radiation that are in this belt, it would be absolutely impossible to send people to space reliably. And that leads to the conspiracy theories that Uh... people couldn't have possibly landed on the moon or something. Turns out that the majority of uh, the radiation that astronauts feel is from outside the Earth's magnetic field, so away from these belts, primarily from uh, low-level background radiation from distant stars, uh, and the solar wind. The solar wind sounds like the craziest form of radiation they could run into. Oh, it is, yeah. I think there was this one time when there was a solar flare that happened that was on its way to the Earth, but there were no... This was back in uh, at least 50 or 60 years ago when... We didn't have very good monitoring.
techniques or way to ways to pr- uh, predict protect astronauts oh, protect okay as well I, I guess we got lucky in our space program that uh, it didn't that this solar solar flare didn't happen while astronauts were either um, in EVA suits or on a mission to the moon today we have pretty good monitoring systems to keep our astronauts safe from any solar storms that might uh, befall them I like this story because it's a problem that we found and made really good strides in solving. You don't often hear that as being the case, but I, I like this story because it is a representation of that. I like how um, a couple inches of aluminum that were already there helped fix the problem and yet conspiracies arise despite it. <laughs> yeah. Like, we already accidentally had the solution. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I... I... You know, when I heard about first heard about these conspiracy theories that, oh, we couldn't have possibly gone to the moon. It was a soundstage or whatever. I it didn't make any sense to me that people back in the fifties would be able to make such uh, believable recreations. But then the the van uh, someone threw out the Van Allen belt, and I I had a young me had a hard time um, arguing against it. I, I guess I have the wisdom to say that well we. We have ways to protect ourselves from radiation. Yes, you're much more wise in the ways of radiation. Yes. On, on the uh, Apollo missions uh, in particular, the trajectory that was used to get to the moon actually uh, subverted most or the, the bad parts of the Van Allen belt without even trying. So it, oh. <laughs> we really just got really uh, just it was never a problem, really. That's convenient. Yeah. Well, that's all I have for you, Eric. All right. So if you like this episode, please consider subscribing and leave a review. Tell us what you think about it. And you can find more episodes wherever you get podcasts. Bye.